everyone and welcome to another episode of Ofsted Talks. Today we're talking all about apprenticeships and I've got a stellar lineup of guests with me to talk about what is an incredibly uh, important topic. So I'm going to get them to introduce themselves first of all. Um, we've got Ian Bamford. Ian, tell us about who you are and what you do. Thanks, Chris. Um, hi, I'm Ian Bamford. I'm the Chief Operating Officer for Paragon Skills. Uh, we're a national training provider. Uh, predominantly focusing on healthcare, childcare, education, but also some service sectors such as business admin, uh, customer service and management. And yeah, we, we predominantly work in the apprenticeship sector, levels two right the way through to level five. We don't work in higher apprenticeships. Um, and yeah, I've been at Paragon Skills for about seven years now. Thank you, Ian. And I'll go to Jess next. Hello, my name's Jess Sharman. I'm a manager at Way Ahead Leisure Pursuits Limited. This is a day service with people with learning disabilities. We have three services and a respite unit. Excellent. Okay, and Alex. Um, uh, well, Jess has sort of described the service. I'm Alex. I'm one of the directors at Wearhead Leisure Pursuits Limited. We have a range of cohorts going through on training programmes. Um, uh, I'm a social worker by background, but I've also done lots of training in the past, and that's been quite useful to try and help staff grow and develop. Um, and obviously we're quite lucky in that we have a dedicated training provider, which makes it quite easy for us to try and um, help progress people. Um, some of them may not have had a very positive learning experience um, previously. Great. And we have Ofsted's own Paul Joyce. Paul? Uh, hi, Chris. Hi, colleagues. Uh, so Paul Joyce, and I'm Deputy Director for Further Education and Skills at Ofsted. Now, I'm going to start with, with the big picture, if you like, because... Yeah, to those of us who aren't steeped in uh, further education and skills and training on a day-to-day -day basis like you all are, there, there is a, there's a wide range of kind of routes for people to go down, isn't there? And, and apprenticeships is just one of them. And I invite Paul perhaps just to say a few words about all the different um, training providers uh, that Ofsted inspects and where apprenticeships fits into that landscape, if you wouldn't mind, Paul. Uh, sure, Chris. Thank you. So we've got about 2000 uh, providers in FE and skills that we inspect. Um, the vast majority of those providers do offer apprenticeship provision. Many of them offer other types of provision as well. But apprenticeship is by far the largest provider type we inspect. And since the introduction of the apprenticeship levy, we've seen about 1500 brand new providers enter the market primarily for apprenticeship training and that's most of the work that we do now chris is provider monitoring visits to new providers and inspection of apprenticeship provision thank you very much and ian presumably uh, you've been on the end of an offset inspection um i'm, I'm actually an offset inspector myself a part-time one oh, so I've been on, i've been on both sides actually so yeah i've been a nominee uh, probably five times now on the in, in a number of providers, but also I've carried out over 100 inspections as well um, since I've been with Ofsted on a part-time basis. Great. So Ian, tell us a bit more about your work uh, on apprenticeships specifically. So in terms of apprenticeships, we work with mainly adult care, childcare, education, uh, leadership and management and the service sector. We work with a number of uh, large levy organisations. So when you say large levy organisations, they are paying a contribution um, towards the apprenticeship levy. We also work with SMEs, so small and medium enterprises. And again, that can be a combination of 
small independent nurseries, it can be small independent care homes, and, and we've really sort of shifted that focus since the introduction of the levy in 2017, um, because spreading your cohort across a number of different sectors meant that you weren't able to specialise in the particular areas and actually weren't able to give the, the, the relevant training um, towards the knowledge, skills and behaviours within an apprenticeship standard. Right, okay, so you're in a good position to tell us about how that's changed over time. What's the kind of, what's the what's the latest um, state of play in the apprenticeship sector and, and what's been the kind of COVID impact on that? The, the biggest impact of COVID obviously has been the way that we've worked with learners and employers. It's very much switched to remote delivery. We were in a very fortunate position because actually pre-COVID, we were working towards changing our delivery model. So we did do more remote delivery, which was good for us because we were able to switch literally overnight to start delivering remote delivery through our uh, learner management platform, through Teams, and that enabled us to really work with learners. I think on a more regular basis, when it was face-to-face, -face, we were perhaps seeing learners probably once every six weeks. Now we're able to interact teach, train and engage with our learners probably every one or two weeks. And I think what we have also seen is we've seen learners actually respond really well to the change of delivery delivery method. Um, and in particular within the adult care sector, there have been some real challenges as part of COVID and I'm sure it'd be the same within Way Ahead Leisure. There's been some real challenges in terms of the uh, COVID implications, the number of staff that are within care homes or within nurseries that actually were off with COVID. It meant that we had to be very flexible in terms of working with our learners, working with our employers. Sometimes at very short notice, uh, an apprentice would have to be pulled off of a training session and actually go there and do the day-to-day -day running, if you like, of, of aspects within the care home. So it's been uh, a real challenge in terms of working with our learners however we're coming through the other side of that now covid is still there we're still having the same sorts of issues around uh, staff absences um, and staff issues um, however the remote delivery enables us to really be flexible in terms of meeting at particular times rather than having to travel 50 60 miles to go and see somebody face to face it's really helped around that yeah um, that that all sounds uh, all sounds good, Ian. Lots of practical challenges, but also some opportunities. Uh, it, yeah, it sounds like as as a result, um, yeah, as absolutely. in so as in so many sectors. Um, Jess, tell us a bit about um, how the pandemic has impacted you. Because I'm doing an ILM five at the moment. One bit it did impact me was getting my work done because we had staff off so much with sickness. I've had to go on the floor and support the clients and have to cancel meetings, as well as I still keep in contact with the learners that you've got here as well that are doing NVQs. And it was quite hard at first, like everything's done remotely when they would come in and shadow watch the staff and everything. But now everything's done by feedback and appraisals. But it's worked really well and all the all yeah. the all the um, tutors are very good at keeping in contact with you, setting up meetings and get to know them through teams. Yeah. So, Jess, are you, you're, are you both doing an apprenticeship and looking after uh, trainees? Yes. Yeah. OK, so that puts you in an interesting position, isn't it? Yeah, so I see both sides. Yeah. Why did I've... you decide to do an apprenticeship? Because I've already done an NVQ3 an ILM2, an MVQ5, 
and now I'm doing an ILM5. So it's just a natural kind of progression for you, is it? Yes, it just gives me gives me more knowledge of my job, and you can never not learn, can you? Yeah, that's 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 true. Yeah, that's true. All right, Alex, I'll, I'll come to you. Kind of, what's the what's the current landscape from your perspective? What well, are the current challenges and opportunities? Well, I mean, Ian and Jess have covered some of them. You know, it's been yeah. a really tough couple of years. You know, and it's right when they said, well, everybody's. I can remember the first day of the pandemic, and they said everybody's got to stay at home. And I drove across Southampton, and I saw two other cars. Because we had to keep going because we support individuals whose mums were nurses. So if we didn't provide the care, they couldn't go in and work in the hospital. So we had to keep going. And so the first few months were quite sort of stressful. But actually what we found is there's some, been some real benefits from COVID. And as Ian said, you know, we've moved to more sort of remote learning. And one of the things I think that's really good is, is that through using Teams, the cohorts of learners have been able to have more group sessions. And I think that's been really useful because actually, whereas before they might have a one on one with their with their tutor. Now, actually, you can have three people all on the same course who might be in three different bases, whereas logistically we couldn't, you know, get them all in one place to have a meeting before. They can now have a group meeting, group session, and they learn not, you know, they learn not just from their tutor, but they learn from their peers as well. And they can share worries and concerns. And I think that's been a real positive. I think there's a much more sort of ethos of having a cohort of learners all progressing together and supporting each other and and the support from Paragon is excellent Jesse's support of the of the staff is fantastic but actually what's really nice is when you see them supporting each other saying well I didn't understand this question or how that relates to how uh, that bit that I do at work and someone else intervenes so they have like a what they might have a whatsapp communication and someone else will put a, you know another learner who's perhaps had a really negative experience of learner will then sort of say well actually I thought it could be this and this is why and it's really nice to see them learning together People who come into social care quite often, they may not have had the chance to go to university. They might have a very sort of poor um, education experience. They're very hesitant to learn. And then, you know, you actually so it's like it's great to see, like as Jess said, she's gone from the three to the four. To the, I've got people doing their twos. We've got one learner, I think, who's 71 is doing, doing their level two. And it's great. You know, that's what it should be. Uh, uh, I was when you heard the term apprenticeship, I used to think, oh, you know, 18, 16 to 18 year olds. Yeah. Actually, modern apprenticeships is everyone learning. Paragon, as Ian said, they've um, worked, become sort of have specialism. So rather do a lot of different types of qualifications or areas of qualification, they've specialised. And what's really good is that our links with Paragon, they understand the business and they understand the role um, and they understand the demands on the staff. And so I think that's been I don't know if that's unique, but it's certainly been really useful for us because when when staff raise something with their tutor, the tutor knows what the role involves, knows what the challenges are. Um, and I think that's been really beneficial as well. That's great to hear. Thanks, Alex. Now, Paul, I'll, I'll come back to you for, for a second. So um, Ian and Jess and Alex have spoken about some of the challenges and opportunities of, of the pandemic and also uh, more broadly in the sector at the moment. Ofsted's obviously done uh, plenty of work in the last couple of years on on apprenticeships and how does that stack up with what we're finding more broadly uh, and chris i think you're right we've just had a good example there of some of the challenges and opportunities that exist and we've certainly seen that through the monitoring that we've done sort of through the pandemic um, and indeed some of the inspection work we do now i mean in, in uh, apprenticeships are great we've heard a really good example there where Providers work really closely with employers who work really closely with their staff. And that three-way relationship, when it works, 
it works really well and it provides a really valuable learning program. So it's really nice to hear that you've got providers, employers and apprentices speaking so highly of the program. And actually, I have to say the other thing, there's a fourth sort of person involved as well. Is we work really well with the apprenticeship hub, the Southern Apprenticeship Hub, because they've been really helpful in using the apprenticeship levy so that I can get the funding in to get more learners on the programme. So although it's a three way process, actually, there's a fourth partnership that really helps as well. So um, I just think it's worth a mention that making sure that we could plug in because some of the courses are really expensive and we as a small business couldn't afford that. But the apprenticeship levy is, is fantastic as far as I'm concerned. That's good to hear that collaborations working well, um, Alex. We, we we do see that on a lot of the uh, activity we carry out, but sadly, that's not yet universal. You know, we, we do need to improve apprenticeship practice, so we share best practice and, you know, it's, it's a good experience everywhere. We've worked really hard on the levy transfer, which basically enables small, uh, small employers that have reached either their cap with 10 learners or unable to contribute the 5% where actually we use the large levy organisations to support that and they use their levy money to support those smaller media um, organisations. So we've worked quite hard on that because we've realised that there is a real gap in terms of that um, information and, and sharing of practice. So it's good to hear that that's working really well. Jess, I want to come back to you because I'm interested in your experience of actually being an apprentice because it must be difficult balancing you know the the demands of the of the course itself with the day job yes it can be difficult i do tend to do a lot of my learning from home mm -hmm. in the evenings or something but it was really good as i've seen the different the changes from them coming out to visit you and doing a and having your meetings with your assessor in the service to going to remotely mm -hmm. And I think, it, to be honest, it, I find it a lot better doing it remotely because it can be done in your time. If you're running 10 minutes late, you can just email your assessor and just say, I'm really sorry, I've been stuck at work, I'll be 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And is it, how straightforward is it to kind of take what you learn back into your into your work? Can you do that straight away? Yes, because I've got a very good assessor and he's very good at explaining things to me and how it, and how my my ILM can relate to my job and everything is related to my job what I'm doing now yeah that's good isn't it and so what what do you think you'll do after you've finished your apprenticeship with that how will that help you it just gives me more understanding about managing my team and mm -hmm. different conflicts that can happen in between the team and how different all my staff like to learn or when I speak to them, how different I need to speak to one member of staff to a different another member of staff. Yeah, oh, that sounds great. I'm sure my my team at work could uh, would say I'd benefit from a bit of that uh, a <laughs> bit of that training that you're getting, Jess. That sounds really good. Do you think Do you think you'll carry on uh, learning and developing after you've done this apprenticeship? I've said no to after after every four of them, so I can never say no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, there's always a chance. Paul, you you mentioned that yeah. The example of of good practice that we're hearing about here is is not universal, and I think it's yeah you know, it's fair to say that we see that through through our inspections, isn't it? We we've we've expressed some some concerns about the the apprenticeship landscape and and the quality of some apprenticeships, haven't we? 
Yeah, we have, Chris. I think the the important thing to say is, um, fortunately, the majority of apprenticeship provision we do see is uh, is of good quality, and we do see things like um, remote learning, which obviously has its place, although it it, it won't uh, replace face to face. But when it's done properly, you know, it it can work really well and can be really powerful. The thing, Chris, with apprenticeship provision, we've heard here, you know, a really strong case where there's a need for it, where employers want it, where employers are working really well with apprenticeship providers. And and that's the key here for an apprenticeship to work. There's got to be the need. The training has got to develop new knowledge, skills and behaviours. And sadly, where we see apprenticeship provision not working well, by and large, Chris, it's because we're not seeing enough training taking place. We're not seeing the development of those knowledge, skills and behaviours that are required. Um, and sadly, it's a it's a it's a poor experience for the learner and the employer, um, which can damage the brand. And and actually, the, the brand is a good one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and what happens in those cases, Paul, where the, that that training is not up to scratch? Um, so, Chris, we've um, we were concerned, and um, our our chief inspector um, organised some some new provider monitoring visits with the amount of new providers that were entering the market was was the concern, and and these visits give us an early look, uh, an early indication of of how provision is shaping up. Sadly, about. 20% of those providers aren't making sufficient progress. And where we find that to be the case, we report that to the to the funding agency. And it's the funding agency that are able to take some action. And Chris, typically what they'll do is to suspend apprenticeship starts until provision improves. So our inspections drive that improvement. But it's the Education and Skills Funding Agency that sort of take the enforcement action based on our inspections. I see. Okay, good to know. And I'll come back to you, Ian. Let's look to the look to the future. Um, what do you think? The kind of is there is there a next big development in this space, or is there something that you know, Paragon wants to wants to do differently going forward? As an organisation, it's about growing, and it's about ensuring that. As Paul was saying, it's about finding those employers that have the need um, and really want to develop um, knowledge, skills and behaviours against particular standards. Um, and I think it's really important that we do that and, and really understand the impact that that apprenticeship is going to have on individuals, but as for the employer as well. So I think it is more of the same. Um, mm -hmm. I think there are going to be some changes over the next uh, few months and years. Uh, certainly, I mean, if, if I'd be wrong with me to say there aren't issues around cost of living, but certainly, you know, in, in terms of paying our staff is going to increase. Um, however, things like funding isn't going to increase. So there's going to be some real push and pulls in terms of value for money, how well we're going to be able to do certain things and, and what differences we're going to have to make to be able to make sure that we keep quality at the heart. because. Obviously, being an officer inspector as well, you know, this is not about just signing up people on an apprenticeship for the sake of it. Actually, it's about having the, you know, the, the apprentice on the right program, the right starting points and really delivering a high quality program to meet those individual needs and driving so that we get good pass rates at the end of that. You know, and, and what we're seeing is we've seen some real positivity in terms of 
some of the high grades around merits and distinctions. So really it's about continuing to improve that quality and making sure we're doing it for the, the, the right thing. You may, you may have heard of the spirit of the apprenticeship. You know, we have to do things in the spirit of the apprenticeship. This is not about funding training that perhaps was there before the levy. This is about actually genuinely funding a need for those individual learners, those individual employers, but using the levy funding as a, as a vehicle to be able to support that. And, and Alex, it sounds like you're having a, a good experience with with apprenticeships. Presumably that will continue. I, I think the key thing, Sarah, is, is, again, to follow Ian, is we're forgetting the, the fact that actually we work in the adult care sector. So mm -hmm. if the staff are more skilled, if the staff are able to give a skilled intervention, it directly benefits the service users or the, the clients or the the vulnerable adults or children, whatever it might be. So the, the more that we can upskill the staff team, the better the service can be. And, and that that's that's if you're in care, you want to give the best care that you can, you know, otherwise why do it? So actually helping staff to understand why they're doing what they what the theories are behind what they do, you know, what the different types of discrimination is, how la important language is, they're all factors that help um, staff be better at their job. The care sector right across is, is under terrible pressure. You know, the, I hear other providers across the city saying, you know, why is someone going to come and work in social care when they can go and work in a, a supermarket chain? I won't mention any in particular, but for £15 an hour when they might only be getting £10 an hour in social care. So what can we do that help staff to sort of stay for longer or feel more valued? Well, actually, training is a really real key factor. And if I can get new staff in and, you know, talk to them about, would you like to do some training? this is what the benefits are you know the, the the level three is the industry standard but you've not done anything before perhaps you could do the two and the three i know that they're likely once they start the course and it's a positive course and they get the right supports they're likely to stay and remain in the position until they complete the qualification you know and then at the end of that it may be that they move on to something else but they might move on to something in care that's better paid so sometimes we see staff move on and go and work for the nhs for example where they've kind of developed a care pathway they've come into care because they they care you know and actually i want them to continue that pathway and training is a is a key factor in that i don't want them to just despair and then go and work in retail because that's where the money is but that's not where their heart is so if we can help them along that journey and i guess the other thing with ofsted doing the inspectors if they if ofsted's able to come back and go well actually you know what the workforce are really trying to be upskilled they're working very hard to well, hopefully that means we've got a bit more leverage to go back and say, actually, how can we um, ensure that people who work in care are paid accordingly? I don't want to disparage anything else, but you can earn more money doing something that's perhaps less challenging, less skilled. That's not quite right. But actually getting a trained, skilled workforce enables everybody, empowers people to actually go, you know what, I'm worth more than this. Um, we now need to fight and lobby to get them the pay that they deserve for the role that they do. Absolutely. And Jess, just to pick up on Alex's point, you obviously had an opportunity, lots of opportunities to do training uh, where where you are. Is that is that something that's important to you in terms of choosing a career, choosing a job? Yeah, I think training is the most important thing, you know, to then it sets your pathway of where you want to be. And I, th I do I very much believe you should do a job you enjoy. Yeah. And the yeah. training training is helping you to do that, is it? Exactly, because I, like I've said, I've done a few with through way ahead. It's trained me from being a support worker to a manager through doing the training. Paul, I'm going to come back to you. Yeah, it feels like the apprenticeship landscape is is changing quite a lot. We've got degree apprenticeships coming in at the moment. What what do you see as the as the next steps for for apprenticeships on a on a national 
scale? Oh, fantastic question to uh, to to conclude with, Chris. We could have a whole podcast just about this. Um, you're right. It's it's always in the news. It's obviously a uh, a real big policy initiative for for government. There there remains lots of questions about the levy and the use of the levy. There are some some questions around flexibilities and and endpoint assessment, and we've heard from Ian and Alex some of the some of the challenges. So I I think Chris, there'll continue to be lots of um, lo- lots of discussion, lots of debate about how this can evolve. I think it's I think that's right to happen. For me, the most important thing to to remember the learner at the heart of the program. We need to make sure that an apprenticeship really does develop new knowledge, skills and behaviours, really does benefit learners, employers and the economy. And I think if we have those high level principles, however things develop or however things evolve, they won't go far wrong. Thanks, Paul. Ian, how does that sound to you? I mean, I think there is a place for the degree apprenticeships, uh, most definitely. But I think what we can't forget, and I think Jess is a real life example of this, we can't forget the level two, three, four and five. You know, I think it's really important. Alex said earlier that actually there's a misconception that apprenticeships is for young people. And it's also really around the trades, but actually it's far from that. It's a whole raft of different sectors and it's every age group. So I think it's really important that we don't lose that balance between the level two, three, four, and then the higher level degree apprenticeships. You know, I I think they do have their place, um, but not at the the cost of the, uh, you know, the level two, threes and fours. There's no reason that somebody that doesn't start on a level two adult care program that doesn't end up going into nursing or somebody that works starts on a level two childcare early years program that doesn't end up going into teaching. So there's some real progression routes for people to go through from that level two right the way through to level five. But there certainly is a place for degree apprenticeships, but it's about them being used in the, in the right spirit. Again, I go back to that apprenticeship spirit. We've heard of a number, certainly in the sector in the last two years, where we've had degree apprenticeships where actually they're just replacing what was being commercial training beforehand. So, you know, I think it's really important that that, that, that we don't lose sight of that. Yeah. And. Uh, I think that point about lifelong learning is is really important. Alex gave the example of I think you said a seventy one year old Alex, yeah. who you've got doing yeah. doing an apprenticeship. I mean, if I'm able to do an apprenticeship when I'm seventy one, I'll be pretty happy with that. Uh, I think. But I mean, the, you know, that's the that's the way the the economy is is going, isn't it? It's it's people are changing careers more often. You're taking more opportunities to do to do lifelong learning. So the, your apprenticeships being a a really important part of that of that landscape. Uh, Thank you very much to Jess, Alex, Ian and Paul. That brings us to the end of the Officer Talks episode on apprenticeships, uh, a fascinating subject, uh, a hugely important one. Uh, and thank you to all our guests today. Um, I'll see you next time on the Officer Podcast. Mm-hmm.